Welcome to Liberty Monks Podcast. James Mundy here with Mike Mundy. How you doing tonight, brother Mike? Fabulous, sir. How are you doing? Man, I'm, I'm doing great tonight, and I'm very, very excited to introduce our guest for the evening. Uh, Dr. Jane Ruby is a Washington, D.C.-based Washington, author, TV and radio host, and an international health economist. She's appeared on numerous radio and TV shows across America, including appearing as a guest host on The Alex Jones Show, Currently, Dr. Ruby's host of Dr. Jane's DC show on the Exceptional Conservative Network. Um, you're a former registered nurse and nurse practitioner. Um, you also were an associate producer of the movie Hoax, uh, The Media's Truth, uh, War on Truth. And then you also have a book, um, The Sea of New Media, illustrates the emergence of new generation of citizen journalists wanting to expose the truth. Dr. Ruby, welcome to Liberty Monks. Thank you, guys. It's really a pleasure to be here tonight and, and to, to be with you. Well, the pleasure's all ours, and I know I'm supposed to call you Dr. Jane, so I'm gonna I'm gonna clean it up, all <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> Make sure no I problem. get this right. Sometimes you gotta tell me more than once. That's okay. Um, I got it. There's a lot going on today. <laughs> but you know, we I know we have limited time with you, and we're really grateful that you're on here with us. Um, recently, we've seen you speak out about a number of different things going on right now, specifically in the medical community and having to do with COVID-19. And um, so we really want to get right into this. You've been doing so much research and you've been exposing so much uh, information that's really contrary, you know, counter narrative. Right. And I think a lot of people are looking for that right now. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of really the first things first here, you know, what are we dealing with here right now? Because we're being told that there's all these new variants, like something called the Delta variant, a Lambda variant. I'm not sure if they're just going through all the Greek alphabet letters or what. Um, and others point out that there hasn't even been an isolated sample um, of the original COVID-19, right? They, they do this correct. isolation test to purify it, correct? To determine if it's novel. You're correct in saying that whatever this thing was uh, last year uh, has never been isolated. Uh, in fact, I mean, there's a ton of information around that. In fact, the frauds who validated or claimed that they validated the uh, PCR test, which is a fraud itself, uh, it doesn't measure a viral load. It cannot tell someone if they're ill. And the inventor of it, Dr. Kerry Mullis, uh, stated that many times publicly. Then he died mysteriously at the end of 2019. But the frauds, uh, Victor Corman and Peter Drosten, who uh, published a paper on the, you know, you have to validate an instrument. You scientifically validate it that it's telling you what it's supposed to tell you and that it does that consistently. So he set out and he published a paper, these guys published a paper. The joke was they were on the editorial board of the journal that published it. So they basically peer reviewed their own uh, paper, which is highly unethical and never done normally. But right. in this paper, uh, we call it the Corman-Drosten paper. Uh, they claim to have validated it, but even inside that paper, they readily admit that what they used to validate the test uh, was a replica or what we call scientifically a surrogate for not even a virus, you guys. It was for a an amino acid sequence, which is like the couple of strands in a protein molecule. So it's a joke. Uh, and so that that's we'll, we'll have to we'll start with that, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, no one's ever really scientifically seen this virus. Uh, and in the paper, he says that um, that the Wuhan lab only ever released to other scientists in the world, including the U.S. CDC, only mm -hmm. released a replica. Right. Think about that. A substitute. Oh, my goodness. A right. model. So let's start there when we talk about covid. And then if you want to move on to the variants, 
-hmm. You'll have a, you know, be able to talk with, you know, to connect with the audience on why I say what I say about the variants, right? So first of all, let's say we did have a virus. Uh, your body is designed brilliantly um, by our maker. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that when your body sees a foreign invader like a virus, it develops immunity. And immunity is really two things. It's a surveillance system for the future in case that thing shows up again. Mm -hmm. uh, or anything like it. And then the other part of this, the immunity picture is your body develops, uh, it trains killer T cells specifically to that genus or genre of virus. The reason that's important for you all to understand is because that makes the variant scare tactic meaningless because your body's not stupid. It can, um, it will look at every, you know, viruses burn down. I've always said they don't burn up. Mm -hmm. So they burn into weaker and weaker versions of themselves and your body will recognize those weaker versions. They're like long lost cousins, right? And your body will, you don't even know it's happening. And you could be maybe exposed to a variant, a variant's a fancy word for mutation. You know, just mm -hmm. like cases right. were a fancy new word, which actually supposedly meant infections, but it doesn't mean anything at all, really. So that's, I hope that kind of gives everybody a nice foundation for you know, this virus, the, and when people mm -hmm. say, oh, there was no COVID, it was a hoax. There was something last year. Maybe they hijacked a, 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 a naturally occurring flu that they saw brewing. Maybe Wuhan released something because the Chinese are quite di diabolical. But I could talk all night about that. But anyway, so whatever it is, um, and that's why you know the PCR test is a fraud. And if you're not sure, think about the strangeness of the fact that there's one test, right? Mm-hmm. In the whole world on the planet, there's a, there's only one test. Normally, you'd have 10, 15 companies making different you know versions of Correct. it. Correct. There'd be so there's much competition. One, right. There's one test. Yeah. Guess what Peter Drosten does in Berlin? He's got a huge PCR test kit manufacturing facility. He has and a he huge wrote facility. The paper, and he wrote the paper on the on the validation of the test. Well, didn't didn't Kerry Mullis, I mean, God rest his soul, um, you know, like you said, he invented, he even got a Nobel Prize for it. Like the test itself is, is meant to do something extraordinary. But it, to my understanding, it was never meant to test for some type of um, infectious disease, right? It wasn't meant to, yeah. because they, you don't, how do you know how many cycles to, uh, I think Mike just joined us again. I think he got kicked off or something oh, like that. Oh, so Mike. He's, he, Mike's coming back on. There Welcome he is. Welcome back, Mike. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a typical Florida thunderstorm here. You lost power at your house. Oh, I did. Oh, my gosh. All right. Yeah, you well. guys might lose me, too. So who knows? <laughs> um, but, Mike, uh, we were just talking about the, you know, the, the variants. We were talking about the PCR test and how it really wasn't meant to, to be a diagnostic tool for infectious disease. Um, and to my understanding, Dr., Dr. Jane, you know, you can manipulate the cycles that this test, and again, I'm not a doctor. I don't understand necessarily what the cycles mean when you turn them up or turn them down, but right. do you believe that that was used to manipulate the numbers? Oh, 100%. In fact, Dr. Mullis was actually warning that that could happen uh, because he had been through this whole thing with Fauci and the NAIAD uh, over the whole AIDS thing. And uh, so, right. so what, what we were talking about before we lost Mike was the fact that um, nobody's ever isolated the virus. Uh, the PCR test was validated in a fraudulent way mm -hmm. uh, using a surrogate. 
And then getting to the variants, uh, Mike, I just was telling people that, uh, you know, your body will always recognize a mutation of something it's already been exposed to. So this whole thing of variants, and, and actually none of these variant scares, if you notice, are really getting any traction because mm-hmm. we're all getting the word out, shows like yours. We're all getting this out, little pieces here and there. We get kicked off YouTube or whatever. We go back, you know, we keep getting the word out. So I think people are starting to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry, uh, James, what was your question about the, uh, bring me back to the PCR test? Oh, I, I was just simply alluding to the fact that it was never really meant to diagnose, Correct. Um, you know, uh, this disease, but yet it's being used to. And you've yep. seen a lot of other doctors come out and talk about this. I think it was, I think back in October, I think it was Dr. Roger uh, Hodkinson. I, I, I don't I hope yep. I'm Hodkinson. Yep. Great guy. Um, yeah. Great and doctor. I know, and I know that he was big uh, up front um, with the Barrington declaration, you know, the, the group of doctors that got together to really say, listen, herd immunity, whatever we're dealing with here, herd immunity is something that we've been doing for since the beginning of time, right. With diseases. And, um, and it really seemed to fall on deaf ears with the mainstream narrative. Yeah. And, and one of the things I think you were, we were starting, you were starting to ask me about, um, when, uh, when, when we lost Mike for a minute or two is the cycling, how this PCR test works. And I don't want to get too into the weeds and we don't need to really, Mm -hmm. but the important thing to think of is, and what Dr. Mullis was saying was this has, was never created and it doesn't have a function or an ability to measure viral load, which is really an indication of infection and sickness. And it cannot tell anybody, uh, that they're sick. So, um, and that, that cycling is, it's like, it's like spinning it down to its smaller and smaller pieces. So mm-hmm. what, what he meant was you keep spinning something and you, you get it down to one or two molecules, you get to the basic building blocks, you can call it anything you want. So he warned us of that. And that's actually how these tests are fraudulently being used to get back to your original, original question, mm-hmm. to gin up those numbers so that they can say, hey, in this county in uh, Georgia or whatever, or in California, Northern California, you have, oh my God, you have an X number of cases uh, based on. So whenever you hear any of these numbers anymore, we should just laugh them out of the room. I mean, it's, it's absurd. There are no cases. There are no infections that are being measured uh, by this, you know, you know, by, by mm-hmm. this test. This PCR, you know, the, whatever the apparatus is that that Mullis invented that spins it. So mm-hmm. not to be labored, but that that's the point. The, te- the whole test is a fraud. Well, and, you know, what's interesting, too, is that, you know, with manipulation of numbers anyway, you know, when when people first started you know, getting sick and we saw people dying and it was being reported that this was killing all these people, um, we had a situation where everything was COVID. Everything was, hey, every, I mean, there was no other tests, right? It doesn't matter if you tested with that test, you were a COVID death. And I know there was money involved and, 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 and that has been reported on, not by the mainstream, but reported on by other folks. Um, now you're seeing the opposite. And we just had somebody really close to us that was hospitalized. Again, they, they, they came back, tested positive for COVID. What that means, who knows? But what was interesting about that was for three days while she was there, she was the only one on that floor that was sick that had not been vaccinated. Everybody else on the floor had been vaccinated and they were really sick with severe symptoms. And that's what, that's yeah. what these nurses and doctors told her directly. The, there are, I don't know if you're 
you guys have heard this news yet, but there's a group of Spanish researchers and, and their work needs to be validated and mm -hmm. replicated and all that. But for now, it's all we have to go on. And they, mm -hmm. they got a hold of a Pfizer vial. And then they, they said that another group of Spanish researchers uh, got got an AstraZeneca vial and found the same thing. But um, uh, and and uh, you know you 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 will have pictures uh, that you can show. Um, and they looked at it under a regular microscope, and they had an industrial engineer expert, and he said, you know, that looks like graphene oxide under there, which is a heavy duty chemical. Um, and so they put it under an electron microscope, and they saw these really ugly, like bulbous, you know cramped together these round things with this black mesh going through it this is at the nano particle you have to understand this is mm -hmm. nano this is under an electron microscope thousands of times smaller than anything a microscope can see mm -hmm. so when we say that when they inject this vial into your arm and normally that material would stay there but this is not a normal size material this material at the nanometer level goes directly into your bloodstream from the it just migrates right into a, an artery in your muscle so it is in the blood compartment and that's how it gets through the blood brain barrier and it gets into and when i said months ago it gets into every cell in your body and there are two things we think right now that are in these vials okay. and i'm going to make a disclaimer that my working theory, and actually it's it's starting to develop it, uh, for, from other experts as well, is that they're putting different things in these vials at different times. This is how bad this is. But the two things we think we know are in some vials, um, like the ones these researchers in Spain found out, is a, a the mRNA, remember that from the mm -hmm. beginning, yep. which is the genetic coding signaling to, to, to your cells to start manufacturing spike proteins a, a replica of the spike protein on a natural coronavirus right mm -hmm. so let, i don't want to get too far afield but the other th the other thing is the lipid nanoparticle that now appears to be graphene oxide as the particular vehicle remember it's still the nanoparticle the lipid nanoparticle which is the super delivery system that's the mechanism that just successfully gets it into every cell in your body so we weren't exaggerating when we said that it gets the mrna into your cell that's only the beginning of the the the, the nightmare guys because once it gets into your cell first of all the, the the graphene is very caustic to cell membrane it also has an electrical charge capability that it your your membranes of your cells protect themselves with a certain charge mm -hmm. if that charge is disturbed boom it opens and that graphene gets inside it causes all kinds of havoc inflammation for most people it creates blood clots okay but the other thing that happens is the mrna goes in there and it does start to make force your body to make the spike proteins. Here's the other ugly part of that. The, a lot of the spike proteins get released out of that broken cell membrane, but guess mm -hmm. what? A lot of them just get stuck and stick outside your, your broken damaged cell. So what happens is your body like danger, you know, sees it and recognizes it as foreign and it sends a whole cascade of Im, Im, you know, immunological attack on that. And you start attacking um, your own cells, right? So this is why people are having like a sort of a collection of different symptoms, but they tend to cluster around heart attacks, strokes, all the things that clots would cause. And then the other big chunk of the area, if you've noticed, is like neuromuscular uh, disability mm -hmm. and damage. So you get people that end up with multiple sclerosis, 
like things. Guillain Beret, where they, they, they can't walk anymore. Uh, they're weak. All kinds of mental health changes or you know, cognitive changes, things like that. So that's really so far I've given you, I've kind of brought mm -hmm. you guys with my stuff right up to the front of where things are right now. Well, uh, a lot of the doctors that, that you did you, you see, see like Dr. Uh, or, I was going to say today no. FDA about um, says here Johnson and Johnson shot now is linked to that Guillain Beret you mentioned that was like an hour ago. Yep, yep, Mike. That that that's late. That's late breaking. You you got it, my friend. Um, you, you know, you notice it was about a month ago that the, they made a they they started to warn about the myocarditis. They couldn't hide from that anymore. Now I think they're overwhelmed with these reports uh, of of the neuromuscular issues like Guillain-Barre. Guillain-Barre is very, very common now, unfortunately, especially in young people, mm -hmm. 20s, 30 years old, otherwise healthy. And here's my concern, guys. There's no, there doesn't seem to be a threshold, right? For for turning this whole program off. I'm going to give you an example really threshold? quick. Threshold? There, there's no limit at which mm -hmm. these deaths and disabilities can get to that's 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 in eliciting the FDA or some oversight body or even Congress or somebody to say, hey, let's ho hold this thing until we find out what this is. I was in I, I was not involved in the particular study, but many of you know the famous uh, antidepressant Celexa. Mm -hmm. Celexa. It actually gave birth to the the son of Celexa, Lexapro, which might be a more contemporary yep. antidepressant. Okay, here's the point. When it went through the animal studies, uh, they, they, when you go through proper preclinical through animals, you go through different species. You start with rats, you know, you start with uh, things like that, and then you work your way up. You, you take a few species uh, or, you know, breeds, say, within species. So you take dogs, you might do two or three. Okay, long story short, they, they found six beagle dogs that got Celexa and dropped dead of heart attacks. Guys, they halted the whole program for two years. The, the company had to go back and isolate and find out why. And they found out that it was a, an anomaly in beagle, not even all dogs, in beagles, right? Let me bring you fast forward now. We're up to over 9,000 deaths in VAERS, which is grossly underreported. And we're not stopping this thing. We're still going after kids. And now the um, Pfizer is gone to the FDA asking for an expansion of the emergency use authorization in two to 11 year olds. And now, and, and they've got the paperwork ready for babies behind that. What are for, we doing? For, for you, for everybody out there listening right now, the VAERS uh, website, it stands for the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, right? So doctor, this is where, this is where physicians and people that are treating, um, you know, patients that are having some type of a vaccine reaction, they're supposed to report the outcome, right? So if you get the vaccine, um, my understanding is too, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the reporting is, is only a fraction of the actual people, right? That actually may have had a reaction or even died. Like sure. I've heard one to 10%. Is that accurate? Yeah, no, that's incorrect. It's actually okay. worse than that. And I'll tell you oh, why you got goodness. that information. First of all, let me say that VAERS is a self-reporting system. Mm -hmm. And with the lay public, nurses and doctors know about it or, or they're, they're uh, uh, derelict in their duties. Uh, but what the lay public doesn't know is that they can report things too. They can, family, okay. friends, neighbors, you can report if you know something. Let me tell you, uh, unfortunately, the number one to 10% um, is circulating right now and it's incorrect. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. In the Harvard Pilgrim study, 
uh, which I'm very, very familiar with. This is a study paid for by the NIH. Those are your tax dollars. Mm-hmm. About 10 years ago, five to 10 years ago, they looked at actual reporting and they, they, they did a study to look at how accurately capturing these adverse events uh, these systems were in the government mm-hmm. programs. And what they found, if you, the line before vaccines is one to 10% of drug reactions. People don't read beyond that line. Oh, the very right. next line says, what they found is, quote, less than 1% of vaccine reported uh, adverse events are reported. That means that these numbers should be multiplied by anywhere from 100 to 1,000. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Not just 100. So it's a lot worse than it is. It pains me. I, I, it's not your fault. I've uh-huh. heard it from other experts because everybody picks up the quick line and then that's the end of it. It's like, guys, read the report, right? Mm-hmm. Not you. I say it to the, to the <laughs> experts, the sci- other scientists. Right. Um, I made my living for 20 years reading scientific papers, writing scientific papers, writing original protocols, getting them through human subjects review right. for informed consent, you know, so we can talk about all that too, how atrociously, you know, that's been bypassed. And on the, on the topic of VAERS, I was on the site the other day and I saw something, maybe you can clarify, but it said that there was no follow-up information on there. It's only the initial initial adverse reaction. So what if they get sick later? There's no follow-up data, right? Right. Some people are going back in, finding their case number, and then adding to it. Uh, But not everybody knows they can do that, and not everybody does do it. Say the person passes away or uh, has more severe side effects. You know, they the side effect profile gets worse and worse. They don't know that they can go back in and you know, doctors, don't get me started on doctors. Um, I just had a whistleblower who's an ER doc and he verified everything we've heard about hospitals. He called me because he said, Dr. Ruby, you know, you have a, there's a code for every disease, right? If you have Guillain-Barre, if Mm -hmm. you have diabetes, whatever it is, there's a, there's a billing code, believe me, for everything. Mm -hmm. And under that code is about 500 other subcodes related to that illness. He, he said to me, if you, if we put in the diagnostic, it's called the international, uh, it's, it's the ICD codes nine and 10, anybody medical would know that Mm -hmm. 10 is the more uh, current one. But he said, um, you know, if I put in COVID, vaccine or vaccine reaction if i put in just vaccine reactions he said i get hundreds and hundreds of codes that i could possibly use even flu whatever it is he said but if i put in covid vaccine Hmm. zero they don't want it coded nobody's paying for it the companies are indemnified insurance companies i have documentation from pilots and flight attendants who've shown me their screenshots and their communications or emails uh, with their insurance carrier for the airlines, for the for the employees. And they've said, if I take this shot, because I'm being forced to, mm-hmm. and I get sick, are, is my insurance gonna cover it? And th- they have said, here's the response, right? We will pay for the diagnostic testing, but we will not pay for any treatment. You've gotta be kidding me. And that's another whole scandal. Um, they tried to incentivize flight attendants and pilots by giving them you know, little treats We'll give you 10 hours of extra pay or three hours or a lottery for $20,000 um, because when we saw an internal letter from United Airlines saying, let's get them to do it voluntarily as much mm-hmm. as possible. We get to that last 80%, then we'll mandate it. We don't want to mandate it, 
Think about this, guys. While the majority of employees are not shot up yet, right? Because now mm -hmm. you'll have a big majority saying, mandate, you know, get out of here. But instead, they're smart. They're diabolical. Let's wait till we have the majority so that we just have the minority that are hesitant, and then we'll make it mandatory because everybody else will feel like, hey, I got it. You better get it. It's sick. Well, and, and is that, so we've, we've heard, what is this, uh, like, Mike, was this last week or over the weekend? It was, they actually named, the White House named the, you know, the, the group of people or the, the people that are going to come out door to door. Is that, am I hearing, did I hear that correctly? That there's going to be potentially door to door. Hey, have you taken your vaccine? And they're calling it a strike force. Is that what you heard too? I don't know, Mike. I think that was for you. <laughs> I didn't know well, they had no. a name. I didn't know they had a name. Do they have a name? Yeah, I saw. I saw the, the press secretary when she was announcing it. They're calling it their vaccine a reaction strike force. Well, I. They're going to get a strike force. Right. <laughs> you know, since we're the only comp a country left with guns, and I, I just want to add, mm -hmm. I did an Australian show the other the other night because yeah. they're like 12 hours ahead of us and the australian people wrote in and they said we you have no idea how much we regret turning in i guess within the last 50 years or something they turned in their guns mm -hmm. uh it's really really sad but i wanted to share something um that's really funny with you guys um there's something circulating uh it's a sign that you can put on your door have you guys seen it I for those so no. no, you haven't seen it. It says door knockers, no solicitation. This property charges $50 a minute to listen to vaccine uh, medical advice. Payment required in advance. <laughs> if you knock on this door or ring the bell, you are agreeing to the terms. And there's actually a video of a woman in this, I guess, strike force, you guys, you called it. And she's got her clipboard with another woman. And you see her leaning in to read the sign. And then she kind of backs up and she goes, oh, we're not going to this door. And they leave yeah oh my great. gosh so they're so, already doing this yes they're already doing this my goodness and he claims he's going to do it biden uh, i guess the direction was they're going to start watch this in communities where they have low low uh, injection numbers i mean uh, it doesn't get any more nazi brown shirt than this that's right show me your papers right yeah except this is show me your papers or I'm, you know, here's the needle. So, you know, the, they go door to door. There is obviously coercion to get the vaccine. I mean, what about people that say no? What about folks that, that do say, get off my property, you're trespassing? Do they go on a list? I mean, is that, is, is that our reality, do you think? If it, if it, if it, unfolds that way, I would have mm -hmm. anticipate it, it would be the reality. I have a feeling that there are going to be a lot of areas in the United States where, I mean, when people start to see them in their neighborhoods, they're all going to coalesce, chase them out, uh, because you don't want them isolating individual homes, like for the reason you just said, James, mm -hmm. you don't want them registering, you want them to register a neighborhood, we couldn't even get in that neighborhood, I would encourage people to to do that to prepare now, there's the time is now I don't know if people mm -hmm. understand this, but we're in the middle of a Marxist coup, we are yeah. really right dead center in the middle of it, we're in trouble. And we, and we don't now I've talked to Intel um, specialists that I went to Israel with two years ago on a border security fact finding mission, these people are the real deal. I mean, they drove down here 
because I have Intel connections down here. They drove mm-hmm. down here to stay off the radar so that they could spend three days with us and a few months ago and tell us what's really going on. And what, what did they shed light on? What, what did you take away from that conversation? Uh, well, um, they did give us a few things that we could do, you know, as, as, a, as, as groups of people. So we mm-hmm. didn't, you know, put a gun to our head because we were really upset. I mean, they basically laid it out. I mean, the COVID thing, even the vaccine thing, all of that is part of the takeover. Uh, there isn't any one thing that stands on its own. Um, and so uh, it's, it's basically run by the CCP. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they laid out a lot of the details around that. Uh, but they basically said there could be, they said around April or May, thank God nothing's happened yet, but they mm-hmm. basically said that there could be a major issue like the grids going out, power. Right. I know that the United States has multiple centers, so it's hard to knock out everything at once, thank right. God. But they were saying if you're in areas, you may be down for a while in terms of communication. So they said get satellite phones with your loved ones if they're in other parts of the country. They talked a lot about prepping really things that even I as a nurse practitioner haven't thought of, but it made perfect sense. If you're on a medication, like say for diabetes or whatever, mm-hmm. insurance will usually only pay for up to three months if you get it through the mail, maybe a month at a time, 30 days, buy the rest of it, just buy it out and have nine to 12 months of over the counter. If you need your Advil or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, over the counter meds, alcohol, things like that you saw fly off the shelves. Um, right. you know, last year, have those things, have sustainable water or water filtration and food, not to scare people, but I'd rather have that stuff and not need it mm-hmm. than be, you know, to then be right and not have it. So, well, and you, we, we actually just had a guest on, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer recently, oh, he alluded to the same, he, same thing, right? He said the exact same thing. You great guy. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a fascinating interview. And and again, another sobering one, much like today, where we're hearing about all this. And you've you've shed some light on some really, really, I mean, terrifying things, but also I think really, really important things that everybody really needs to sit back and listen to and let sink in. I mean, this is not a normal situation. No, Um, it's not. We've never known anything like this at all. It's it's um we don't have time to be afraid we we just mm-hmm. uh i just implore that people protect babies and children mm-hmm. um you know the rest of us can try to fend for ourselves but we've got to push back on this thing on our kids and now those spanish researchers found um some pretty nasty things in the chinese manufactured uh, those those surgical masks and the and the really? swabs and you know it could again it could be it could vary by lot of these mm-hmm. products uh and and, and it, not just chinese i don't want people to get a false sense of security even some of these products that are that on the on the package say you know maybe made in the usa but maybe the components came from china so you've got to be really really careful but there are things on these swabs that contain a lot of the graphene oxide some of them under electron microscope they see uh these kind of worm-like moving structures it, don't get, in, don't. in the swabs Yes, don't get tested. Don't wear the masks. If you have to wear a mask for one reason or another, get your own cloth mask, mm-hmm. wash it in hot water, and then you know what you've got. Um, yeah, this is late breaking. That I, I wasn't aware of that uh, piece of information at all. Um, you know, because you see people wearing the surgical, I'm assuming you mean the surgical masks, right? Because those are manufactured, you know, those aren't cloth, those are completely different materials. So you're saying that they're finding 
different metals and different things that are actually moving. And you're talking very, very microscopic, I'm assuming. Very, very, right. Like, like very small parasite-like um, things. Um, you can you can look this up on the internet. I, 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 I'm not saying it's true. I'm sure, saying people sure. have demonstrated, they've taken these masks, stretched them over like a, you know, a boiling apparatus in a lab. And when enough heat goes through it, under the micro then they put the microscope over on top of it they are seeing uh these these graphene particles Mm -hmm. and 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 they know what they look like under a regular microscope and they're also seeing something that some things that look like moving entities it's all i'm gonna say i don't want to sure yeah i mean i i completely understand where you're coming from it's just hey people have demonstrated it they've shown i mean at the very minimum people that are wearing a mask probably want to know well, what is that <laughs> you know um right. and and i don't know how you go about doing that but the first step is identifying that there's something there right so you mentioned um you mentioned so i think the spanish the spanish uh biostatistician group that you're talking about that's la quinta columna correct correct and, and they are the ones that came out and said that there's a very high percentage of graphene oxide, um, which to your, to your point is, is toxic, correct? It's toxic to people. It's toxic. It's a toxic substance. It has never been studied in humans. Let me start there. Mm-hmm. It has gone, undergone a lot of non-human research for industrial purposes. You know, it's a single, it's so tiny as a nanoparticle, it's a single like sort of at the even yeah. smaller than a cell, but the single mo- molecule, uh, it's a single molecule sheet. Um, and so, so that's, that's important mm-hmm. to know. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know. Now, I forgot where we were going with that. Well, but, now, um, well I guess my question uh, yeah. on that is, is that list of the, so I'm assuming that all these medicines need to have ingredients listed in, a, in, a, in some of an insert, right? So is that on the insert that there's graphene oxide in this, as an ingredient or no? James, that's a great question. Let me start by answer to answer it with with one two parts. The first mm-hmm. part is I don't understand. I, I'm glad to hear you call it the package insert. A lot of people don't understand that that piece of paper when you get your prescription or when you buy an over the counter medication, we all toss it out. Mm-hmm. That piece of paper, every word, every dot, every comma, every number has been negotiated with the FDA. That is a legal document. We call it in the pharma world. We call that the label. Pharmaceutical companies can only market to what's on that piece of paper. They cannot market to anything that's not on it. That's called off-label promotion. It's illegal. But doctors and nurse practitioners can prescribe off-label if they deem it's it's appropriate. That's within mm-hmm. their discretion to do. So with that said, uh, you, you asked the question, and and I, I want people to think about the question you asked. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't it listed in uh, the material? Would you trust these companies right now to tell you what's inside of these? Number one, number two, pharmacists across the country are almost fainting when they open. They go you because know, everybody's throwing the package insert up. Now they're opening it. You know, it's like a little. They open mm-hmm. the paper and they look, and it says on it in the ones that I've seen, intentionally left blank. Intentionally left blank is actually printed on it. It's printed on it. You you can see a lot of these. Uh, I'll, I'll send I'll send you a. A screenshot of some of some of this and okay sometimes people have gone to, to you know these injection sites and said look i'm willing to think about it uh but i want to see the package insert i want to see what's in there and and we have we have some videos where pharmacists will open it you know i mean just well-meaning innocent 
you know, and they open it and go, oh my God, there's nothing on here. And they look and it's, there's really nothing on there. So what's usually in the package oh insert? It's everything from the pivotal trials that got the drug approved. Sure. It's every statistic. It's all the pharmacokinetics. Guys, we don't have any information on pharmacokinetics. You might say, well, who cares, Dr. Jane? Well, you better care because that tells you where the drug concentrates in your body. It tells you where, how, if your body can get rid of it and how it does it. Does it do it through urine or feces mm -hmm. or breath? How does it get, or skin emission, sweat? How does it get rid of it primarily? The liver, how does it break it down? You want to know this information. And if there are any warnings, like the warning that Mike just told us about that just mm -hmm. came out, uh, that normally on a regular product, if it was already approved by the FDA, that warning, that label, your label, package mm -hmm. insert, would get slapped with what we call a black box warning. That's the kiss of death to a pharma company. A black box warning says some people were seriously injured or they died from this drug, and you mm -hmm. have to be careful in these situations with these populations. So it's it's very important. And so what the there is nothing in these in the label in these package inserts um, to Oops. tell us what's in these. And even if the company came out now in a press conference, mm -hmm. I wouldn't believe them at this point. Yeah, I mean, how can you? Well, and I think the other uh, you know striking um, piece of data that I found out recently is that I and I believe this was 2019. Again, I don't, I don't exactly have the this uh, down, but that big pharma lost $25 billion in revenue um, in 2019. And subsequently they've made that up with this vaccine so far, they've made up that $25 billion that they did not make on, you know, mostly single molecule drugs, right? Which they're having a very difficult time evidently making a living on. So, you know, is it just follow the money? Because it seems like it's follow, it's follow the money, but also it seems like, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've seen enough video evidence to see these horrible side effects that people, people being taken out on stretchers, shaking violently. Um, people that have done, three nurses in particular that have done interviews where they are now permanently disabled and can't stop shaking. Um, and I don't know what that disability is, but I mean... <laughs> Well, the stuff we it's getting into the brain and everything else. But mm -hmm. I wanted to get back to what you said about the pharma companies losing money. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the source of that article, and that's okay. But you said twenty-five billion that they lost. Um, a lot of companies that they have products. If it's a billion-dollar driver, they'll make a billion, two billion a year just on mm -hmm. one product. And let's remember something about Pfizer. Pfizer is the biggest pharmaceutical company on the planet. And let me tell you something, that's by any metric you wanna use. Mm -hmm. Number of employees, number of drugs, revenues, uh, whatever you wanna use, number of offices, uh, number of countries, they're the biggest company. Pfizer laughs at the FDA in the face of fines. They will openly, I've, I've witnessed it myself in the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, they will compete by violating regulations. And so they get slapped with a, you know, a million dollar fine. That's a drop in the bucket. It's nothing. So yeah. I wouldn't be feeling sorry for pharma companies about losing money and trying to recoup. This wasn't about that. This is, this has been in the works for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Don't forget Dr. David Martin just put out a day or two ago uh, in an interview with Reiner Filmich, who's a German lawyer, who's starting a whole class action set of lawsuits across the, uh, the world right mm -hmm. now. But Dr. David Martin is a genius who's followed the money. He's a money guy. He's got all the receipts on Fauci. And, um, you know, Dr. Martin had, had 
had said that what he discovered when he looked up all the patents uh, is that the main patent for the SARS-CoV-2, whatever mm-hmm. that is, remember, uh, was, or parts of it, was filed um, literally three months before everything started to hit around, when did, it, they started talking about it, October, November 19, 2019, and then it really started, and we really got a lot of signal around mm-hmm. January 2020, and so it was somewhere a few months before before that. So if it was released around September, October from Wuhan, uh, they had already, it was like three months before that, gotcha. uh, that they okay. had filed the patent. Conveniently. This was planned. This was well in advance planned. This wasn't about pharma making up a few billion dollars. Yeah. This was planned. Well, every, every plan has an, an ending, right? So what is the, I guess the ultimate reason for all this? What is the, is there an end game to this? Was there, is this mass extinction or is this just power grab? What is the ultimate goal here? If you could see my proton mail inbox, <laughs> you'd see a lot of theories um, around sure. a, all of that. But again, you know, until we know, we're still finding out what, you know, why the push, right? Mm-hmm. What's in the vials? Why the push? Why is the world in a trance right now? What do you find it unusual that doctors, like the larger spectrum of physicians, are like I call them zombie doctors, just to get a meme going, so mm-hmm. that people would see them in the bloody lab coat with the you know the needle up in the air, because they're all in lockstep. They're all saying that's safe and, and effective. It's safe mm-hmm. and effective. No steps were skipped. Meanwhile, they skipped all the all the animal studies for SARS-CoV-2. You know why? Because all the animals died in SARS-CoV-1 preclinical trials. So, you know, when you follow this along, so what is the end game? I don't know. People have a lot of, um, a lot of theories about this 5G introduction. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was a, there was a video from a guy who was just a, an everyday phone repair guy. He said, I'm starting to get these 5G phones in because something didn't work or, mm-hmm. you know, the battery wasn't. And I look and where the 5G technology that would be different is supposed to be located in the phones, I'm not seeing anything. And so the other people are saying, well, that kind of is suspicious. Mm-hmm. And it makes us think that maybe it's not about the phones. It's getting those towers up that never stopped, right, during during COVID lockdowns, those 5G towers, that it may have something to do with creating waves that relate to the graphene oxide. And remember, Pfizer's already applied for the boosters. Did you see that? Yeah. Okay. And even the CDC is pushing back and saying, I don't think they're going to need them in September. So I don't know. You know, look, guys, there are pieces, and I'm trying to figure it out. I'm working with Reiner. I'm working with all the usuals, Sherry Tenpenny, Mm -hmm. Carrie Madej. I'm in their group. Um, But nobody's put together the whole entire picture because too much is coming in, you know, still coming in. Right. Well, and you know, the, all this information, like whether it's the government or whether it's the medical groups or whether it's these, you know, pharma manufacturing companies, these, these are, these are groups and, you know, you know, institutions we've relied on the education, you know, and you know, those institutions, and we talked in pre-show a little bit. One of the things you mentioned is, you know, we're, we're losing our institutions. What do you mean by that? I think I know, but, but I'd love to hear your take on it. Well, I think it hit me after the November 3rd election. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first we were betrayed by Mike Pence, who went in there and basically sealed the deal for Biden when he had the power to decertify. And I thought, well, that's just one person. I kind of always felt he was a rhino snake. But then after that, I thought, you know what? I've got a, a relative, 
I want to keep him really an anonymous, mm -hmm. who is a state for a state in the country, a state Supreme Court justice. Mm -hmm. So he's a great resource and we would talk a lot and he would reassure me and say, when this goes to the Supreme Court, I mean, we've got a majority, a conservative majority, and it isn't even about a partisan issue. Right. These are upstanding people. They're going to look at this and say, no way are we going to allow, you know, fraudulent numbers to be certified, right? Mm -hmm. And it came and it went. And what did the Supreme Court do? It turned, it just, it, it went like this, right? So it told me that, look, I, I already knew we lost our DOJ. We, 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 we didn't, haven't had an FBI in a long time. Uh, we, we, I knew when I saw this emergency use authorization provided by the FDA for, a, for a, an illness that has other drugs that are safe and already approved. And I thought, what are they doing? I've never seen them do that. I've seen them, you've seen signs of corruption over the years, every, every organization mm -hmm. gets big enough. But I thought to myself, oh my God, we've lost the FDA. The CDC is a joke. That's a vaccine patent company. All right. They're, yeah. they're corrupt as all hell, but that, that was never a real institution, but all of these institutions, the oversight bodies are, are gone. They're bought off. They're scared, whatever they are. And don't look to Congress. Don't look to your politicians. Uh, m the majority of them are paid, bought and paid for by the CCP. Uh, it, it, that's what a rhino is. I mean, these rhinos, if you don't think that the rhinos are supporting everything the Dems do, then you weren't paying attention during Obama's eight years when he got mm -hmm. everything he wanted when the Republicans owned the House and the Senate, yeah. right? So it just tells me we, we have no oversight. We, it is coming more and more to the people, to the, to the people, to the grassroots. I don't know how that's gonna work out guys, but we don't really have much else. We have a few district courts here and there, but. Right. Well, yeah. uh, um, it's becoming more and more abundantly clear uh, from where we sit that um, the corruption is far worse than we ever, ever could have thought. Um, because the information that you see from the mainstream, no matter what it is that's being fed, there's so much evidence out there. And again, is there proof? Yep. That's tough because I don't know if there's ever any proof, right? There's, uh, there's evidence enough to, to make somebody like you or I or Mike or somebody else enough to steer us towards that belief or that belief system. But the evidence seems to be overwhelming and you're sharing a lot of it with us today. Um, what I guess I know we only have, we have limited time and know we're kind of up against it here, but if there was anything else that you might want to add today that we haven't talked about, I'd love to hear that now so that the people are aware of what you've discovered um, that we haven't that we haven't heard yet. Yeah, a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you for, mm -hmm. you know, for that. I appreciate it. Uh, I just want to I just want people to be aware. Uh, I want them to pay attention. And so I've said to people, um, if, you, if you've taken the two shots, of the of, a, of one of the two two shot mm -hmm. series don't take any boosters if you've taken the first one you can save yourself a lot of potential risk and, and and pain and suffering by not taking the second one and if you haven't taken them at all and you're on the fence mm -hmm. um keep digging keep learning keep keep researching my, you know my hashtag is just wait you have nothing to lose if you wait and everything to lose if you don't this is a flu whatever that was last year mm -hmm. with a 100 percent 
you know, statistically 100% chance of recovery. So that's number one. Um, protect the children. There is no reason. Children are not vectors. And secondly, even if they were, they shouldn't be the experimental you know, body for the rest of the adult world. That's absurd. Um, we're going to lose our kids. Um, you know, Israel, you know, they made a, their, their leadership made a deal with the devil. They made a deal for exclusivity with Pfizer. They have become the Petri dish now for Pfizer. They were the first a country to come out with the signal for myocarditis because they inoculated three quarters of their country. And most likely, since the spike proteins tend to aggregate in among other areas, the ovaries, they probably have sterilized two thirds of their childbearing women. So I say to young people, you know, this is not a joke on TikTok, okay? Mm -hmm. This is serious. And what decision you make you are going to live with for whatever the rest of your life is after you take these shots. Um, if you happen to be in a, you know, it's, it's, it's Russian roulette. Uh, there could be some vials with nothing but normal saline in them. I don't know, because that might explain why some people sailed through with no issues at all. Right. Maybe they're making microclots, and maybe in about five years, they're going to end up having multi-organ problems, and they're not going to put it together with, oh, my God, it was the shot. Okay, but if you understand how the shot works. So in closing, I would say, um, just wait, just wait, just wait. And if you have questions for me, if you have intel, if you want me to break it, I'm a medical contributor on the Stu Peters show, which is really where we're doing most of the work right now. You can write to me at drjaneruby at protonmail. So guys, you know, I want to thank you really both for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And I really applaud you for doing what you're doing. You're, you're really helping people every bit as much as the rest of us are. I mean, getting the word out is important. Well, Dr. Jane, I can't thank you enough for that. Um, before we let you go, where can people find your book? Oh, gee, it's on Amazon. I'm sorry okay. to say, I, I, I know a lot of people don't like Amazon anymore. And I understand I, I try to boycott as much as yeah. possible, too. But I self published it a few years ago. Okay. And really, the book just tells you that you can make a difference. Remember the guy who happened to be walking by at the 9-11 memorial in 2016, and he caught mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton being dragged? Yeah, so you you have you could change history with just one, you know, quick video from your phone. That's what the book's about. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we can't, we can't thank you enough. Um, uh, in the description, we're going to have links to your book. We're going to have links to, um, you, you know, if people want to email you and ask questions. If that's okay, we'll do that. Oh yeah, um, sure. But uh, we just want to thank you uh, uh, for spending time with us, Dr. Jane. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on Liberty Monks. It was great guys. Keep up the great work. Well, God bless you, doctor. God bless you listening out there and God bless America until next time. Take care and be well.